Welcome to the Fellowship Student Podcast, Episode 2, Missions. I am Levi with... I'm Mela, and this month in July, the Fellowship students have been focused on missions. In Episode 1, we interviewed Jake and Isabel Buckles, as well as Pastor Forrest. We had our Mexico team leave for Mexico for a week and just a little bit over a week ago they came back and Jake Buckles shared a message with the youth group that was missions focused. We are closing the month of July with the Midwest Youth Missions Fest. So with the end of the month coming up uh, we have brought somebody here to talk about missions who is on the missions field. Matt? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about missions. My wife and I served in Southeast Asia and we're back here on furlough. So thanks for having me. We have a few questions to ask you about missions. Not a lot of people understand what missions is or haven't had the opportunity to meet a person who served in a missionary field or on, I guess, in missions. So what is missions? That's a great question. A lot of people get confused between evangelism and missions. Evangelism is something that you do inside your own culture, in your own language, because we love God. God loved us, and so we go out into our communities. Missions is going somewhere where you don't speak the same language, you don't have the same culture, and it might be a whole different location. And so it's not your people or your ethnic people group that you were born into. You go out and you might have to learn a language, uh, take some schooling, and uh, even physically prepare yourself to go across uh, a plane, train, or boat to get there. And so that's what missions is. And so whether evangelism or missions, you think about people groups, right? It's not your people group. You're going to a different people group. And that's what missions is. So you're talking about people groups. Um, What is the unreached people group? An unreached people group is someone that does not have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Uh, They will, will never meet someone, never see a book or anything that will explain the gospel to them. Unless someone goes out of one culture and into another culture to give them the gospel, they will will live and die their entire lives and never receive the good news. What does the preparation for missions look like? It is a long, for me, it was a long process, right? And so I was saved at a younger age, but as you start to grow, you start to realize the gospel becomes real to me. And so a lot of people think going to a different culture and going to these places would be really neat. But to be honest, we're sent to do God's mission, to disciple people and to give the gospel. And it starts with right here at home. How would I be able to go across the world and the schooling and the effort it takes to sell everything you own and do these things if I'm not really even willing to go across the street in my own culture? There's language, uh, there's education levels, and, and if you're in a creative access nation, somewhere where it's illegal to give the gospel, all of those are hurdles that you have to work through. And it's to, my journey started right here in my local church, going to my neighbor, honing my skills to be able to practice. Can I give the gospel? Uh, you know, do I understand it myself and do build that confidence in me to go out locally? And then as I started to do that, I started to talk to my local uh, leadership. You know, I have a heart for this. 
do you see the same heart in it uh, for me? Uh, am I being obedient with what I have so I can have more? And so that's how I started is I feel this. Do you feel the same way? You're right. And start off with small, small steps of obedience. I started off with tithing, going to church on Sundays, uh, you know, teaching Sunday school, small steps as I was working into going into more and more. And then I uh, felt a calling to go overseas. So you talk about all these challenges that comes with becoming a missionary, but what was your biggest challenge? I think, uh, you know, they, they teach us. Um, there are many challenges, food, health, housing, heat and cold, you know, the environment. But for me, it was actually team unity, right? We were on a team and you come from all different types of people from all different countries are joined together to, to, to finish the goal. The goal is global missions, every tribe, tongue and nation. And so as you have a team, you might have someone on your team that doesn't speak English as their first language, and we're partnered together. Uh, things like baptism and all these, how, how do we do this? How do we move forward through these problems? And communication. And so it was hard. It was great. But as anything, when you're passionate about moving this thing forward um, everybody has different ideas and uh, ways they want to get it done and working to a, to a team to accomplish that that's it, it's it's a, it's taxing so when you were up in southeast asia uh you were serving right but what was like one of the coolest things you you know just saw you know like did god touch someone's heart and you know it just kind of mind blowed you how just you did that it, it's actually not my story to tell we were actually flown into the country that we were serving in and we had been there two two days and our team leader says is there something that you will probably never ever get a chance to see in your lifetime well who says no to that and so you're like well sure and so he says well get in the truck and so we drove for about 12 hours up the mountain in an unengaged unreached people group two years prior had been engaged, had been reached, and we got to see them baptized. And so it was, uh, it was in a river. It wasn't in their local village. They had to come out of their village because of persecution. Uh, we had a pastor from a different village because of persecution in his village, and we met at a third location, and we got to see these, these young adults baptized in the river into the kingdom of heaven. And so it was really awesome. So would you say that memory of watching those people groups getting baptized, would you say that's the most memorable like experience that you've had out of your whole time serving? By far. I mean, this is actually the whole reason why we're here is to share the gospel and to see that. And just to even be a part of it, even though I had no, no work involved, I was there for two days. Uh, people served their entire lives being obedient to the Lord and may or may not see the people group in which they God has sent them to uh, have that happen to them, be obedient to God and accept Christ and be baptized. And so we don't get promised uh, benefits, right? I may go to a people group 
and I might work with them for 5, 10, 20 years. And there's no guarantee that they're going to accept the Word of God and know. And so to be able to see that was definitely a mountaintop. So um, usually when, like for people who knows missions, uh, they think uh, that this person's going to a tribe and preaching the gospel in this tribe and just sharing it to the whole tribe so then they could keep sharing it to their descendants and all that. But what kind of area were you in? Like, So, yeah, th- there's different levels, right? And so I was in a support role in the country that I served. Um, I, I served in a, a CAN. They call it a Creative Access Nation. And so as a, as a white person, uh, I was not allowed to go into the villages. And so what we did was we, we worked with them inside the city of where I was and brought them in and we raised them up. And then they went out as an indigenous person with the language and, and be able to talk to their own family members. So we found a person of peace that had an interest in it and we worked with them. And so actually they were the ones that actually shared the the gospel to their own family members, to their own friends, um, because they had half English and half language. And so we found that person. And so they were the ones that actually got to go outside up onto the mountains and do those kind of things. And so I was second tier, uh, assisting them to work through that. You know, uh, having that high level language, you might have to be in the country uh, five, 10 years. And so I just didn't have the language. So I was able to assist other people that did have the language to go do that. How did you work through the language barrier when you first started? Mostly through tears and crying. Uh, uh, I'm not young. I'm 45. And so there's an age group where you guys are young and smart and fast and healthy. Uh, You guys can hear something and remember it. For me, being in the culture, an English speaker for so long, it is really hard to change your mind um, what this is, right? And so they tell me what it is, like Gail is, is for a cup. To me, I think cup every time they see it. And so to make that switch is really hard. It is something that you have to want. Um, uh, I think a thousand missionaries in a thousand different countries have prayed for the gift of tongues. You've got to want it. It's something that you have to set aside in your day and say, I have to do two hours of this if I want to do this. Uh, it doesn't come easy, and you just have to grind through it. It's one of those things that uh, you just have to put your mind to it and practice and do the writing and do the homework uh, because there's nobody saying, hey, did you do your homework? Hey, did you... Did you do this? You have got to want it. And it directly affects your life. You don't have it. It's hard to to go order food, coffee, go to the mall, do the things you need to do to survive. So it's kind of like, I I need this. And so um, some people have it easier. I I did not. I really had to work at it really hard. So uh, to get Southeast Asia, you used a sending agency. Uh, what is that? After you go through the process of seeing through your local church, right, and they see the same things in missions and the heart that you have for it, uh, they give you a blessing. Like, we see this. We agree with you that, uh, that you're spiritually sound, that you're mature, uh, 
in your faith. And so then what I did was we just started praying, like, how am I going to get from a point A to point B? Well, the blessing in the United States is I don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are sending agencies out there that that's what they do is they help people go from America to Southeast Asia, to China, to, to Africa. And there's many different sending agencies. And uh, what we did was we put our name and, and uh, called them up, said, this is what we're feeling and this is what we want to do. And um, that's a whole process in itself. And so I was with O, which is, stands for OMF, Overseas Missions Foundation. And they have a whole process of partnering with them. They ask you all different kinds of questions, like how long have you been a Christian? Uh, how is your faith? Do you tithe? Uh, personal questions. How many girlfriends or boyfriends have you had? Right? They're searching for that person that's going to be able to, to go to the gospel because you're going to have stress in this country. And are you going to rely on God? Or do I need my wife to be with me every step of the way? Right? Is it, is it food? When I get stressed, do I overeat, right? Or do I rely on God? And so they work through these, through questionnaires and counseling and all these things to really see where you are. And then ultimately, they give you a green light. And they say, okay, we think you're good to go. You've worked through this. Now you can start partnership development. And that is sharing my story, Right? of what I feel God has called me to do. And so I start talking to my friends and neighbors and relatives, first my church, right? And say, this is what I need to financially to do this. There's health insurance and food and electricity. And I mean, you're moving your whole life to a whole different country. Rent and all these things, motorbikes or whatever you choose to drive. And so you have a budget and you start grinding through that and saying, okay, my sending agency, we don't ask for money. Uh, if money is your problem, you don't have problems, right? I, I serve a God that owns a thousand cows on a, on a thousand hills. And so what I want is I want people with the heart of prayer and movement. And out of that comes the funds, right? I see this as, as a need to create, the, uh, to finish the Great Commission, Matthew 28. And so they partner with you and say, I, I think we can do this and we can do this together. I am just one of probably 170 people on my team. And so just because I'm the one that went, I still have a team of 170 people that are praying, that are reading the newsletters, that are financially giving, and that are joined into this to see all people come to know Christ. And it's really humbling when people see the same vision that you have. And not like our own churches, as we tithe and we do the evangelism and all these, uh, you guys come to the church, we do all these outreaches, is because we want to glorify God here and around the world. Uh, what other sending agencies are there? I'm not familiar with them all, but I know there's AIM, which is Africa, African Inland Missions. Uh, there's about five or six big ones. Uh, YWAM is another one that I've heard of. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of them. Um, uh, go to your leaders. That would be something that they would be able to help you out. And so, uh, like AIM is African Inland Missions. 
if I want to go to China, AIM is probably not my sending agency. They're focused in Africa. It's in the name. And so you want to find a sending agency that has the affinity for the place that you want to go. And uh, it is just like cars, right? My sending agency is the car that I, the vehicle in which I'm getting over there. Uh, people have different wants, different needs. Do I need a, a, a two-car, two-seater, or do I need a van? You know, what do I need in my sending agency? Uh, places that are easy access, and I wouldn't say easy access, but open access, right? I might not need as many. I don't need medical uh, evacuation because I can just drive across the border. I might not need uh, a different visa or education because it's an open access nation. I can just walk over there and start spreading the gospel. Even my ministries might look different in an open access nation. United States is an open access nation. What do you need to go to your neighbor to give the gospel? Nothing. Just hopefully maybe a pie. They'd be more receptive to open the door, right? But uh, you don't need to. You just need to be friendly. If you were given the chance to go back to Southeast Asia, would you go? Yes, I really enjoyed Southeast Asia. Um, you know, everybody asks you when you're when you are a missionary, are you going back? Are you doing these things? And so we we're on furlough. What that means is we serve four years, and they give us a break just just to spiritually revive, right? Uh, where patients patients and I serve, uh, we did church just the two of us every Sunday. And so it takes a toll. And so they allow you to come back and to, to re-communicate into your church, grow, rest, do those things. And then also to re-raise funds, right? I've been gone for four years, but a lot of things can happen. Uh, it's sad to say, but some of my supporters, they die. They die of old age, right? Four years. They were 96 when they supported me. They passed away and they're on in heaven now. And the other people, life changes. They supported me for four years, but financially they lost their job or whatever. So we come back to raise support again and whatever that looks like. And there's, there's health issues and all kinds of things as you re-up to go back out. And so it's a, it's, it's a deep process. But uh, I liked Southeast Asia. There are lovely people and we really had a good time. Uh, so kind of going back to the unreached people groups, uh, there's this thing called a 1040 window. Can you talk about that? Yeah, 1040 is the longitude and longitude of, uh, if you look at the map, and that's longitude and latitude, and it's that section of Southeast Asia, North Africa, and uh, a lot of the Muslim countries are in there. And what that is, is there's 2.3 billion people that don't know the gospel. It's kind of like a, a band across the globe, and the gospel is just, it's really hard to get in there. 97% of all missions go to already created, uh, already evangelized areas. And so the 1040 window is a really hard area for Christianity to take off because it's creative access nations, which is, you, you can't evangelize there. There's laws against Christianity and it's just a really hard area of the map to get into and uh, with it being that hard um, you really have to be focused and it's also dangerous and so a lot of people that have younger families that have uh, illnesses or anything like that 
just aren't able to go there. So it's a, it becomes a harder and harder place to get to. With people, um, you know, they could be too young or too old to go set, get set to the mission field. What is something that they could do to help the people who are going to go to the mission field? Well, I would say, first of all, is prayer. The power of prayer is to get to know them, get to know their children, their families, and pray intentionally for them, right? Help them grind out that path as you're starting to plant a field, right? Uh, the first thing you want to do is there's trees, there's rocks, there's everything, and I want to plant good food here. I need to cut all the trees down. I need to pick all the rocks up, and I need to plow that ground. How long does that take? Prayer does that when it comes to missions. God help them, give them what they need. And so praying for them, what they what they need, health, finances, all these things, and ultimately that that the hearts of those people that we're trying to reach would soften and be acceptable to the gospel. And that all happens through prayer. And that's, that takes no money, and it takes very little time, but it takes your heart to be engaged. And then um, second is to, is to, you know, interact with that person. You know, get on, a, get on their newsletters, uh, correspond with them. You know, uh, it's amazing what an encouraging word to someone that is doing that. Say, hey, I just, I prayed for you. I'm thinking of you. Those, those kind of things mean a lot. So, um, you, as you said earlier, you were on a team of people. And you said how some of them actually went to the tribes. Mm-hmm. And some stayed back in the city, like mm-hmm. you. Um can you tell me about like how your team kind of plays into your day-to-day life, you know, like what you guys do to help each other grow in faith and just simple things like helping each other out? Yeah. So I have, I was on a team of five people. And so uh, my team leader had been in the country for 20 years. And so his wife knew the language really well. And so when you fly in on the plane, where do I live? Where do I go? We stayed in a hotel. She was the boots on the ground. She'd lived in the country, and so she helped me find a house, get a cell phone. Uh, those introductory things what drove us around the town so you can kind of see where you live, right? What is the good side of town? What is the not-so-good side of town? Uh, how should? What should I wear, right? Uh, you, well, Levi, you were in Mexico, right? When we were on the bilge, you couldn't wear pants. You don't know that walking in until someone tells you, yeah, you should wear pants or these kind of things. And so that's what one of our team members did. And the other uh, was uh, all about language logistics. And she helped us through training of the learning the language, right? Helping with teachers and correlating that. And so you work together. Uh, patients helped with the books and I did construction on the housings. And so you work as a team in a, in a family, right? Uh, what one person doesn't have, the other one will and vice versa. And, uh, you know, there's problems every day. And so you just work through those problems as a family, uh, to be by yourself would have it'd been really hard. So you really rely on your team. And for the first several months, those are the only people you can talk to. And so um, as you're learning the language and that, so you haven't been able to, to grow relationships out, outside of that. 
What would you want to share with those listening that want to learn more about missions? As we look at global missions and those things, like I said, it's a process getting engaged in your local church. And a lot of our churches, for instance, my church here has the GO team. It has a whole ministry that is just focused on people that are interested in missions. And what does that look like? If you don't go to this church, uh, go to your local leaders, your youth pastors, and those people that are here to help you to the next step. And they'd be able to guide you to that person that's going to help you work through those, that heart, you know, and say, okay, this is what we're feeling. Can you pray about this? You know, this is what I want to do. And you guys are at a great age, right? Because with schooling and, and education through biblical schooling, do you need Bible college or do you not need Bible college? You know, uh, what is those people groups that you have an affinity for? And so you can start to look and, and say, okay, what does it take me to get to that point? You know, and start you know, taking a box and checking off the box. Okay, I'm doing this. What is my next step? I need to get engaged. I need, I need to know my Bible, right? So am I in my quiet time? Am I doing what I need to be to move to the next level? And so it, it's a journey and it's a lot of work on both sides. And so if you have that heart, go to your leaders and tell them and they'll assist you in anything that you have. Um, tell someone, don't keep it to yourself. How many times we, God tells us something and we keep it to ourselves and we don't share it with someone. The best thing you can do is share it. I feel like God's telling me this. Share it with a friend. Uh, share it with one of your pastors or your leaders at your church and let them work through that with you. To finish off the episode, uh, why missions? Why missions? I, I guess, you know, it's Matthew 28. Go forward there and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Uh, and, and so in my life, uh, as we started to go uh, and look at that, is it fair, right? Here I am with Christ, and there are people out there that will never hear the gospel, never have an opportunity and so as a Christian, there comes a point in your life that you realize this and you say, am I okay with that? And if I'm not okay with it, what am I going to do about it? You can go, send, or disobey. You have three options, right? You can either help someone that's going to go. You can go yourself. Or there is a third option disobey and say, I, I'm not interested and I'm going to go on about my life. And so we got to that point in our lives and I wanted to to uh, help people have what I have, right? For us that know Christ, this is the worst it's going to get. It's really not that bad. This is the worst. But for other people out there in the world, this is the best it's going to get for them. Am I okay with that? And so it's really about loving your neighbor, right? Is that what I want? And so Patience and I, we worked through it and we decided to go. Good decision. Was it hard? It was. Was it worth it? It was.
You've been listening to the Fellowship Student Podcast. Thank you, Matt, for coming on. It was really nice talking to you, uh, you answering some of the questions that I had and that other people might have. Uh, if you have any more questions, we have our email in the description. But that will be it for today. See you next time.